Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Welcome back, everyone, to the Facility Dude Podcast. Uh, my name is Grace Tester, and I'm here with Bob Bittner. Uh, Bob, what do we have in store for us in our podcast today? Well, good morning, uh, everyone, and uh, I'm really glad to uh, be back with you this morning. And uh, in the studio with us this morning, we've got one of our newer members of the Dude family, Chuck Wright. Chuck Wright comes to us uh, from a new acquisition that we just recently acquired uh, called Mobile 311, and it has to do with uh, GIS. And to tell you the truth, Chuck, I'm a little confused about all these S uh, acronyms. You know, we've got the GPS, the GIS, the IRS, and maybe we can talk a little bit about some of those today and what the differences are. And uh, I know that uh, uh, you have a background of software development and uh, in the field of of GIS and and applying it uh, to a mobile app. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background, Chuck, if you will, please. Okay, great. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Definitely excited to be here with you today and to be uh, one of the dudes uh, here overall. Uh, It's been been a great time here so far. Um, Essentially, my background is in software development. Um, I've been working in uh, the the GIS field uh, at prior engineering firms as well. Uh, so we've really had a, a good chance to explore uh, the use of GIS as it relates to the field and in local government. Um, so that's really kind of that, that specialty. Um, along with that, we've also had a chance to uh, work on some other very exciting projects uh, uh, revolving around uh, weather mapping, um, crop yield management, and other, um, you know, uh, nice applications of GIS, uh, which is a very broad topic. Cool. What uh, what does the acronym GIS actually stand for? Okay, so very simple. It's a geographic information system. So we're just adding a G to our, our standard information systems, which combine uh, our, our data, our people, our policies, our hardware, and our software. And then we're adding an additional dimension to that, our mapping, which a lot of people um, are have become a lot more familiar with lately through applications such as Google Maps and MapQuest. They're really seeing the, the application of these maps on a daily basis. Um, but one of the great things about GIS is it can often do um, additional tasks that don't necessarily even require maps, but require some kind of spatial awareness. So GIS, I'm, people may not be as familiar with that as they are GPS. What's the acronym GPS stand for, and, and how is that just a little bit different? Okay, sure. That, that is very common to get those two kind of interposed there. A GPS can stand either for a global positioning system or a global positioning satellite. And so GPS is essentially the devices that we have now on our cell phones, in our vehicles, that are, that are really tracking our current location and giving us a location. So the interaction between those two, we, we quite often see GIS and GPS together. The GIS, uh, or the GPS, excuse me, is actually used to gather information, to collect data out in the field that is brought into a GIS system. Um, It is one method of many. You can also, besides the GPS, use more traditional conventional surveying methodology. Whatever we're doing to bring that location information back in and get it into our GIS model. Does the GIS system, does it require satellites or a a global positioning 
Uh, does can it use any information from satellites? Uh, the GIS. Yes. Uh, the GIS. The best way to, to to conceptualize the GIS is that it's really um, attempting to to create a model of what's out here in in the real world. So one of the big differences that we see uh, from people that come from uh, backgrounds where they're used to something uh, like a, a CAD drawing from an engineering standpoint, uh, a lot of times those are just a, a small project area and, and very local, and it's not necessarily tied down to real-world coordinates. With the GIS system, we're taking that the next step, and we're taking that data and putting it in a real location where it would be on the Earth in, in our model. So you don't have to have a, a, a GPS at all for your GIS system, but it, again, is a way to um, enhance your spatial awareness because if I have those satellites and I know where I am, then now, for example, in our mobile 3 system, I have a new way I can sort work orders. I can now sort them by what uh, work orders are closest to me. A practical application of that is I may be out there and um, rather than driving uh, from, from point to point, going back and forth across town all day, I can take a more uh, logical approach where I'm driving the shortest distance uh, between work and still getting everything done within appropriate time frames. Very interesting. And so the, the GIS would locate it more in, on a static location standpoint, and a GPS would track you as you go from point A to point B to point C. Uh, well, is that uh, accurate? Uh, almost, not not quite. So, okay. So the the GPS um, can can follow me, and so thus gives me more data, more information, so I can do uh, things like I just spoke about. Mm-hmm. But also, it can be used to capture that static data in the field. So if um, I need to find out where all my hydrants are, where, where water valves, those kind of items, you know, street, street lights, houses, anything that's out there that I'm trying to locate, I can also use that GPS to locate that data and then have that you know, in my GIS system. Loaded into the GIS system. Yes. It's, are there three dimensions to GIS? I mean, do you have the, uh, the, the coordinates as well as elevation or depth? Uh, uh, that, that's a great question. We actually have four. Four? Um, yes. Wow. So uh, we, we actually live in, uh, many people think we live in a 3D world. We live in a 4D world. Uh, so we have our, our spatial dimensions. We have our, our X, Y, and Z. So then we also have, um, and that's what we commonly refer to those, X, Y, and Z. So we've got our, our uh, positions there. But then also we have a time dimension, which we commonly call M. And that M dimension uh, is utilized in GIS systems as well. So we can see trends over time. We can see how things change. So uh, again, to put this in something we may have may have seen in the past, you know, imagine a, a flat wall map showing the current weather. Okay. Right. Now imagine you know taking that from a wall map and putting that on a computer monitor and watching the clouds and the weather patterns as they move. So that's a representation of how you know we could use that that M that time dimension as well. So elevation is is very critical. If we relate this back again to something in a, in, a, in a public works public utilities. Then in those cases they commonly will will do modeling 
using GIS models where elevation is very important. So they need to know what the slope is on a particular pipe, for example, in a gravity sewer system. Uh, because if it, if it uh, does not slope enough, you know, the, whatever's in that pipe's not moving. If it slopes too much, then that can create too much turbulence and, and cause other uh, potential difficulties as well. So Very interesting. I have a friend that uh, worked for uh, Caterpillar, and he worked on a project GPS tracking when they dug uh, water lines and sewer lines so they could tell exactly where they were, how deep they were. And I'm assuming that through the GPS positioning while they were digging this, this is a great um, application that went back then to a GIS system where it's all recorded so that people can see that later on, the depth of a pipe, the slope that you're talking about, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it actually goes much further uh, than that now. nowadays. We have uh, what we call machine control. GPS machine control, I'll give you a couple of, of really interesting examples of where that's used. So in these cases, they in mining operations, they had the ability to actually remote control these large digging machines using the GPS. So there doesn't necessarily even need to be a driver in that vehicle, and one individual can control multiple machines, um, but because they have this GPS equipment on board, uh, that's all talking back to a computer, they can literally drive those around like it's a video game. Um, obviously, military applications for that. Uh, one project that I was involved in uh, and helped to set up uh, some years ago actually involved a dam repair. And so the, the problem that they had was they that's, were... That's a water dam you're talking about, right? <laughs> yes, Not that, just a dam repair? Yes, absolutely. They were having uh, a problem where they had to reinforce this dam to do that, they were actually having to dig a very deep trench. Think like a 40-foot 40, 40 deep trench, and they had a huge excavator that was digging down into that. Well, the problem that they had was because this dam was currently in use, they had to um, backfill it with a slurry mixture to maintain structural support and keep everything going. And uh, that meant that they couldn't actually see where the bucket was digging. Okay. Wow. And so um, using the machine control and the, the information that came from the GPS, they could tell how it was rotated. They took, put essentially um, you know, tilt sensors on every joint on the machine. And because it was so important for them to dig to this perfectly engineered level, they could, they could literally watch a model of that machine digging into the dam and um, give, the, give the operator a view of exactly uh, where they were, where they were digging, you know, down to the tooth on the end of that excavator bucket uh, so they can make sure that they got it at the exact depth, the exact location, and you know, avoid um, either having to go back and re-repair because they didn't dig far enough or um, getting somewhere they didn't and have a, a, a dam collapse. Um, which would be quite awful. That, that would not be good. Getting back to the GIS, if, if we look at it kind of in our everyday world, some of the experiences that we had, you gave the example of watching a weather forecast on TV and the mapping that you see, and they're putting up temperatures and so forth on a map, what we see. Is it also when I want to get on and I want to find um, all the hotels in Cary, I get on to Google and I say, 
list all the all of the uh, hotels in Cary, but then I see a map that comes up and have these little balloons that pop up that give me the exact location. Is that an is that an application for the GIS? Is that what uh, is driving? driving that absolutely uh we see this a lot uh as well in in commercial business where businesses are wanting to know where do i open my next shop well we can go into the go into the gis look at u.s census data see exactly um you know the population demographics of an area and see if that meet what what we expect our client who our clients to be and see what the drive times are so not only you know who's within three miles but maybe who's within you know 10 to 15 minutes so we know uh, the roadways which brings us to another uh, very interesting point of, of GIS uh, functionality which is which is network topology okay sorry to throw uh, now you, now uh, you got my head scratching here a little bit <laughs> so, so topology is really um, the the shape of things Okay, so we think of uh, uh, you know, topological maps. It's the shape of the of the ground. So topology refers to the shape of things, and so in this sense, we're really referring to the connectedness. So a road network is connected, and so we would use something like uh, a GIS tool to go in and do routing for, say, school buses or taxis. So for a school bus, there's other criteria. We said it's an information system, right, GIS. So we have a lot of other data. I think we kind of skipped over that uh, very important piece. We're we're talking about, hey, we've got a map, but we've really got a map that's got all this intelligence behind it. So let me give you two great examples. Okay, the school buses. One thing I need to know is first, you know, what's this road network? So we, we call them layers. So we have a layer of, of road net, of the roads and how they connect. But then I also need to know where my students are. So I'm going to have a layer that sits on top of that of, of where these students that I need to pick up are. Then I need to know where I'm going. So I need to have a layer of my schools. And I can take this information and apply uh, additional logic and business rules behind that, such as um, things to encourage safety. So I not only want to minimize how far that bus has to drive, but I also want to minimize left-hand turns. So I can actually program that in and pick a route that might be a little bit longer, but I'm making more right-hand turns and less left-hand turns, and, my, uh, and the kids get to school and back home much more safely. Also, because I have this mapped, if I've got a driver out for the day, they're on vacation, sick, then I easily have something that's a documented path that I can give to somebody or have on a computer screen for them to be able to go out and run that same route. So that's one example. Another terrific example of this, it's one of those you know, things we may not appreciate, but uh, from our, our public utilities and public works folks out there, as simple as you know, a, a water main break. In, in a particular city. So that's something that, you know, we don't want to have all that water just rushing out onto the street. We've got to get that fixed and operating as quickly as possible. Well, in, in GIS, we have those water mains, but we also have all the water valves that are, that are there and that are available. So in those particular cases, if something breaks, you know, a, a public utilities workers out there, you know, 3 a.m., and they're trying to get this this leak stopped. Well, they can't just go up there and stick their finger in it, can they? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> okay. So so what they do is they can they now have the the ability to take this GIS out there with them in the field. 
they can click on where that break is. And from that, the GIS can kind of scan out and show them, bing, 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 these are the three water valves that you have to go to and turn off in order to stop this leak. So let, let's go and turn those off. Uh-oh, I just got to the last one and something's wrong with it. It won't turn off. Okay, show me the next one that I need to go down the line to turn off. Okay, I've got it. Now, but I've also got the, the, the uh, layer in my GIS of all of, all of the water customers there. So now, um, all that information is also back in the office as well as out in the field. So I can see who is this outage affecting, right? So, so now I know how many customers did I just turn the water off uh, while I get this repair made. So we can notify them, let them know the water's off. And this is, this is critical because, you know, what if that is affecting a hospital? What if that's affecting a school? And, and I, you'll see this quite frequently, um, you know, where, where um, I live in particular, we live near a hospital. So when the power's out, the water's out, we're actually one of the first ones to get back on. Well, I find that's very, very fascinating because, you know, I think a lot of people have the idea of a GIS system as just a pin on a map. And uh, what you're saying today is there's so much more information, so much more application to it than I think most of us really realize. We, we started out by saying what's the difference between uh, GPS, GIS, and the IRS. So is GIS listening in to everything that we're doing, like uh, the IRS? <laughs> the, the truth is uh, it, it's going to some of that. Um, every time you get on the Internet, uh, businesses that are trying to sell you items, they know your general location. They may not be able to uh, pinpoint your house. Uh, but they are recording general location where you're at, and they may send you uh, additional coupons if there's a store close by. So, so uh, more and more we're seeing applications where cities and towns, as well as private businesses, are um, able to see where their workers and where their vehicles are on a basis, you know, uh, continuous basis during the day. Really helps with assigning equipment, uh, crews to jobs so you can get the, the right people and the closest people there. Well, Chuck, this has been very, very interesting. And uh, I'd like to bring you back in next week. And let's talk a little bit more about how it is applied out into the workforce uh, since we now understand that it's more than just a uh, point on a map that there's a lot of information. Let's talk about how it's applied in a little bit more detail uh, if you're willing to come back next week. Awesome. This is I've enjoyed it. I certainly would. Very good. Well, uh, folks, we're uh, glad that you're, uh, you've been with us today. We look forward to sharing some more about the GIS uh, application uh, in our next podcast. Well, Bob and Chuck, thanks so much for sharing everything today and, uh, and teaching us a little bit more about GIS. Um, you guys can always check us out on iTunes or Stitcher. Please feel free to leave us a five-star review, um, and you can always email us at podcast.facilitydude.com. Bob and I both get those emails, so we go through them. If you have anything you would like to talk about or like to hear more about on the, on the show, please let us know, and, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.